You know, some things are better than others, aren't they? I remember back to the uh, early 80s when I graduated from high school, there was a commercial that said everything's better with blue bonnet on it. Anybody remember that? Anybody remember what blue bonnet was? Margarine. So, you know, uh, a piece of bread is good, but you put some butter on it, it gets gets better, doesn't it? I don't know if it gets better for your health, but it sure tastes better, doesn't it? You know, the Bible has a lot to say about better. And the Bible compares a, a, a lot of, you know, like two things and... The Bible will tell you which of those two things are better. And so that's what I want to do today is just take a look at at what the Bible has to say about better. Go to Proverbs. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 13. This will be in the New King James Version. Proverbs chapter 3. And verse 13 says, happy is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. For her proceeds are what? Now, are you going to help me or not? They're what? They're better than the profits of silver and her gain than fine gold. So, you know, you ask most people, you know, would you like to have a whole bunch of silver and gold? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But what's better than having silver and gold? Having wisdom and understanding. So if you had to choose between wisdom and understanding or silver and gold, which does the Bible say is better? You know, most people wouldn't wouldn't look at it that way. But we need to look at things the way God looks at things. Is that right? Now, here's just going to have several of these. Perhaps it'll help somebody. Uh, Proverbs 15 and verse 16. Proverbs 15 and verse 16. Again, New King James Version. What's that first word? Better is a little. Now, that goes against what the world will tell you right there. The world will say it's better to have a bunch. But better is a little... With the fear of the Lord, then great treasure with what? Now that's the truth, isn't it? You're better off to have a little with the fear of the Lord. Or that, that fear of the Lord means reverencing God. You're better off to reverence God and just have a little than to have great treasure and have trouble. I, I, you know... Um, Again, the world will tell you that bigger and more is better, but not necessarily. Not necessarily. How many remembers that there was a commercial on? We talked about Blue Bonnet, but that was back in the early uh, 1980s. But not too long long ago, just several years ago, there was a commercial out where uh, this fellow, you know, he had this big house and he had these big nice cars and he had the swimming pool and he had, you know, all these different things and... And then the camera came in on his face and said, uh, he said, you probably wonder how I, how I have all this stuff. He said, I'm mortgaged out up above my eyeballs. He said, my life is miserable. How many remembers that commercial? Something to that effect. 
And you know when you, you get down to it, there's a lot of people, they may have bigger and better and all that other, bigger and more. But you find out the bigger and the, and the more is not always better if there's a bunch of trouble. Is that right? If you, it, you know, you may have the big massive houses and the cars. And again, you understand, God's not against you having money. He's against money having you. Is that right? But you, you know, a lot of folk, they strive for these things in the big house and the big cars and the, 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 the diamond rings and the watches. I, you know, that stuff has never interested me. I've never used my faith for a watch. I use my faith for souls. And, you know, God got me a nice watch. I'm not interested in, 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 in diamonds and watches. I'm interested in souls. How about you? But, but I've watched folks, you know, they'll, they'll have all the big this, big that, big the other. But they're, but they're just miserable because they've got these big mortgage payments or, or they've got trouble in their marriage or whatever the case. And so, you know, bigger and more is not always better. I, I remember I had a, a multimillionaire several, several years back say to me, he said, he said, Pastor Terry, he said, look at all that I have. He said, I'm a multimillionaire. And he said, I don't, I don't reverence God. Look, and look, at, look at all I have. And you know what I said to him? I, I said, just think what you could have if you reverenced God. You ever think about that? But the interesting thing with this fellow, he was a multimillionaire, but he had trouble on every side. Trouble over here, trouble over there, trouble here, trouble there. Now, would it be better to have a little and no trouble or a lot of things and a lot of trouble? I'd rather have a little with, with a peaceful life, wouldn't you? So it's better, the Bible says, to have a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure with what? With trouble. And the Bible just goes on and on with these sorts of things. Look at Proverbs 15, verse 17. This, is, this will be in the New Living Translation. Proverbs 15, verse 17, a bowl of vegetables with someone you love is better than steak with someone you hate. And I can say amen to that. A bowl of vegetables with someone you love is better than steak with someone you hate. You know, I tell you what, I I just, I would rather have... White Castle with my wife than a big steak dinner with somebody that I didn't love with. You understand what I'm saying? We, we don't go to White Castle anymore, do we? I used to eat eight of those a day. I, every day when I was in college, I'd go from, yeah, before I knew you. You wonder why I was about 80 pounds overweight. Man, I'd, 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 I'd leave uh, college and I'd stop at the White Castle over here by the Chrysler plant. Anyone ever go in there? The Chrysler plant's gone now, but it was across the street, across 44 from the Chrysler plant. And I'd eat eight White Castles, French fries, and soda. And then I'd worked out in Eureka, so I'd go out to Eureka. And by the time I got out there, I'd have to stop at McDonald's and get me a Big Mac. It's bad, wasn't it? How many know food can get a hold of you? Well, we can overcome it, which we've done. But what does the Bible say? A bowl of vegetables with someone you love is what? Better. 
better than steak with someone you hate. Have you ever gone out to dinner? Now, we shouldn't hate people, obviously, but have you ever gone out to lunch or dinner with somebody and you just didn't want to be there? Do we have any liars in here? No, I'd rather... You've never gone out and eat with somebody you didn't want to be... be, Okay. It's not comfortable, is it? So I'd rather have a bowl of vegetables with my wife than steak dinner with someone that... That I, you get it. Let's move on. Proverbs sixteen eight. Proverbs sixteen eight. New Living Translation. Better to have little with what godliness than to be rich and. You know, there's a whole lot of dishonest people out there. They've got a whole lot of things. That's how they got there. You know, a lot of times. Better to have little with godliness than to be rich and dishonest. These are just some things for us to think about. These these statements from the Word of God. How many of you know God is right, isn't He? The Word of God is true. And, and this goes against a lot of what the world will teach you. You know, the world goes against God. The world is diametrically opposed to to God. And so we need to believe God over what we've been taught. Is that right? You know, we've been taught worldly things. You know, the world will never say it's better to have a little. It's always better to have a lot. But the Bible says it's better to have little with godliness than to be rich and dishonest. Dishonesty is not good, is it? It's just not. We need to be honest. We need to tell the truth. All right, let's go on. Look at Proverbs sixteen nineteen. This will be in the New King James Version. Proverbs sixteen nineteen. What's the first word there? Better. Better to be of a humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. The spoil there that again has to do with with money and goods and things like that. You've heard the old saying, to the winner goes the spoil, right? You know, But better to be of a humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. I wish I would have known some of these things when I was in high school. Because, you know, you know, a lot of times high school kids, you know, you want to run with the fast crowd and the popular kids and all of that. But if I look back... My life, a lot of the kids that were popular and the the in crowd in high school, I've followed some of them over the years. They haven't wound up too good. You're better off to be of a humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. I like the way the Message Bible says this. It'll be on the screen. It's better to live humbly among the poor It's better to live humbly among the poor than to live it up among the rich and famous. Again, the world will teach you that, oh, we need to be rich and famous. You know, from the time I was a kid, I wanted to be rich and famous. It's all right if I'm honest with you. And, uh, you know, I've, I've watched... A lot of the, uh, how many remember the lifestyles of the rich and famous? Remember that was a TV show? 
you're visiting today, you think that all I do is watch television. But, <laughs> but you know, I've studied up on some of the rich and famous people. And uh, most of them, most of them, their lives are miserable. Absolutely. Absolutely. You understand that? Absolutely. Absolutely miserable. And uh, it, it, the Bible says it's better to live humbly among the poor than to live it, live it up among the rich and famous. Uh, and again, mo- so many of the people that have become rich and famous, and I've talked to just a few of them, they'll tell you it's not all it's cracked up to be. There's some people, one person I'm thinking of, she can't even get through a meal without having people coming up to her just continually signing autographs. You know what I'm saying? But then you look at a lot of folks like Elvis. How many has ever heard of Elvis? Have you ever heard of Elvis? I'm a, I, I like listening to Elvis. Are you Elvis or Neil Diamond? Which one are you? Uh, are you both okay? But... Uh, you know, I, I, I like to listen to, to Elvis. I do. And, you know, there's very few people that you say their first name, they're known around the world. Is, is that right? But I, I, I don't pick on him because I, I, I'm, I, you know, I, I enjoy listening to him. I think he's the greatest entertainer that probably has ever been. But you look at how he ended up. You can't tell me dying at 42 years old the way he went out was a good thing. I can think of another one, Michael Jackson. I'm not picking on him. I'm just, he was 50 years old. The way he, he, he passed away, that, 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 that's, that's not good. You look into his life, it was, he, he had a, his miserable life. And we could go on and on. So the Bible says it's better to live humbly among the poor than to live it up among the rich and famous. You know, as I look back at it, I'm... I have much to be thankful for that God never allowed me to become to become famous because it may have destroyed destroyed me. But won't the world teach you you need to be rich and famous? The world will teach you that. But God says it's better to live humbly among the poor than to live it up among the rich and famous. Let's go on. Proverbs sixteen thirty two. Proverbs 16.32, NIV. Help me out now. What's that first word? Better. Better a patient man. You know what patience means. Being able, to, it have, being able to wait with a good and a right attitude. Patience. Someone who's not quick to anger. Not flying off the handle. Better a patient man than a warrior. Well, the world would teach you, you know, you'd be, be a warrior, a good fighter, be, you know. But the Bible says, better a patient man than a warrior. A man, better to be a man or, or a woman, of course, who controls his temper than one who, who takes or conquers a city. Well, if someone conquered a city, you know, those... Study history, and you see different ones would go in and they'd conquer cities and 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 lands and whatnot, you know. Like Alexander the Great, have you ever heard of him? You know, and he conquered the known world, and there was nothing else to conquer. And he sat down and he 
he he cried because there was nothing else to conquer. And if you study up on him, I don't think he he went out, when he died. I don't think it was a very good thing. What does the Bible say? Better a patient man than a warrior. Better to be a, a person who controls their temper than if you conquered a whole city. Which would impress God more? You controlling your temper or becoming the president of the United States? Which would impress God? You know, nothing wrong with becoming president of the United States, you know. But God is more impressed if you'll just control your temper. See, see, a lot of times we think things impress God that doesn't impress him at all. And the things that we wouldn't think impress him, impresses him. You understand that? Just controlling your temper. It's better to be a measured person. You know what I mean? Measured, have a, have a controlled temper, not fly off the handle, than a warrior or someone who conquers a city. Let's go on. Proverbs 17, verse 1. Proverbs 17, verse 1. New King James Version. Did you know there were so many betters in the Bible? There's just better, better, better. It's interesting, isn't it? Better is a dry morsel with quietness than a house full of feasting with... Well, that's the truth. You'd be better off to have that dry cracker without blue bonnet on it. Just dry cracker with quietness than a house full of feasting with what? With... Strife. The Bible says where evil, where uh, envy and strife is, there's there's every sort of evil works. What the book of James says. Is that right? You'd be better off with a dry morsel with quietness, with peace. How many of you know peace is a wonderful thing, isn't it? Better is a dry morsel with quietness or with peace than a house full of feasting with strife. I know I've already been at some parties over the years where there was just every kind of food there that you could you, you could want. But there was arguing and fussing and fighting and going on, you know, not physical fighting, but it was just it was miserable. You'd be better off with a dry morsel with quietness than a house full of feasting with strife. Now, Proverbs 19, 1. We'll read this in the Message Bible. If you don't have that, it'll be on the screen. Better to be poor and honest than a rich person no one can trust. And, and there was one of the other verses said basically the same thing. So when the Bible repeats itself, you really need to listen. Is that right? Better to be poor and honest. And again, if you've been around here any length of time, God doesn't want us to be poor. He wants us to be prosperous. He just doesn't want the prosperity to have us and control us. But what does the Bible say here? Comparing two things, better to be poor and honest than a rich person and dishonest. Is that right? So the Bible's comparing two things and the Bible's telling you, God's telling you which is better. It'd be better to be poor and honest than rich and dishonest. Proverbs 28.6. New King James Version. I'm not giving you too many scriptures, am I? If you're visiting, you, that's what you're going to get here is a lot, of, a lot of scriptures. I believe in the Bible. How about you? Proverbs 28.6. Better is the poor 
who walks in his integrity than one perverse in his ways, though he be rich. So that's just kind of saying the same thing that we just read. Again, when, when God starts repeating himself, you really need to pay attention. You need to pay attention when he says it one time, but when he starts repeating, you really need to pay attention. All right, Proverbs 21.9. Proverbs 21.9, New King James Version. There's that word again. Better to dwell in a corner of a housetop than in a house shared with a contentious woman. And all the men said, no, no, I just don't want any of you guys to get in trouble. But, you know, you could you could say it this way, too. I believe it would be fine. Better to dwell in the corner of a housetop than in a house shared with a contentious man. It could go either way. Because I've seen both. I've been pastoring a while and I've seen both. And neither one is good. But what does the Bible say? You'd be better off to have just a little place on the roof, up in the attic, than in a house shared with a contentious, in this case, a woman. Well, let's say person. How's that? Spouse. Spouse. I don't want to pick on the ladies. So if you ladies are upset, write God. He's the one that put me in. <laughs> New Living Translation says it this way. It's better to live alone in the corner of an attic than with a quarrelsome wife in a lovely home. Or you could say quarrelsome husband. You don't think I'm doing any despite to the scripture when I say husband or wife. Hopefully you don't think that. You understand the point. We don't want to pick on, on, on women, pick on men. Because I've seen, I've seen situations where the woman was just lovely, but the man was a, was a pain in the neck. The husband, you know. And then I've seen others where the man was just fine and the woman was a pain in the, in the neck. Wouldn't it be wonderful if neither one was a pain in the neck, but both were a blessing? Wouldn't that be wonderful? But the Bible says it's better to live alone in the corner of an attic than with a quarrelsome spouse in a lovely home. You getting that? Do you see that? A lovely home is worthless if your spouse is making it miserable. Is that right? Well, sure it is. The Bible said so. Look at uh, Proverbs 21, verse 19. Better to dwell in the wilderness than with a contentious and angry woman. Or we could say with a contentious and angry man. You know, back to that other one. I've seen a lot of people over the years. They wanted that lovely home, lovely home. And it's good to have a lovely home. I have a lovely home, but I also have a wonderful wife. And it's her and Jesus that make my house lovely and a home. Did you hear what I I just said? And we've lived in little bitty apartments, and now we have a lovely home. But how many years? 27 years? But no matter where we've been, it's been lovely because I've had her. Did you, you understand that? The treasure is not the house. The treasure is the one you're living with in there. It's your wife or your husband. You get? Are you all getting anything out of this? You learn anything? It's interesting if nothing else, isn't it? I have in my notes here, it says, Better not to be married than to be married to the wrong person. Well, that got their attention. 
Been there, done that. Well, he's honest. We're going to give you a star for the honesty, huh? Well, that's the truth. Okay, Proverbs 27, verse 5. New Living Translation. Do I have any staunch King James people here that all you use is the King James? Okay. I used that for years and years and years until my wife hit it on me because nobody could understand the these and the thous. And so, so we use the King James, New King James, NIV, Amplified. You know, there's just one Bible. How many of you know just one Bible? But there's different, different translations or versions of it. And so we read, you know, if you were in the class that I taught on Wednesday nights not long ago on Bible interpretation... Uh, you know, if you just read the King James and that's all you read, you can, you, can, uh, you can miss what God's really saying. You need to do some deeper study. Look at some of the other translations like the NIV, the Amplified, so on and so forth. And then get into some of the, the study tools and understand some of the original words, what they really meant. And you can get the fullness of what God is saying. But uh, notice here Proverbs 27 verse 5, New Living Translation said, An open rebuke. Is what? Better than hidden love. An open rebuke is better than hidden love. Now, what I will say about that is, you know, unfortunately, sometimes love is never expressed. And it needs to be expressed. You need to tell folks you love them. And not only in word, but in deed. Is that right? But to really understand verse 5, you need to look at verse 6. Verse 5 said, an open rebuke is better than hidden love. Then watch this, verse 6. Wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. You know, I've had some people over the years that really loved me and cared about me. And there's been some times where they've pulled me aside and they just told me the truth about the matter. Something I didn't want to hear. And, and, it, and it hurt. It wounded me. But they had my best interest at heart. And it hurt me at the time, but, but I listened to him, and in the end, it, was, it, it made me better. But I've had some folks over the years that, you know, they just, you know what I mean by that? They're always just telling you flowery things, always what you want to hear. And, but while they're, doing, while they're doing, they've got something in their hand, it's called a knife, and they're just waiting for the opportunity to stick me in the back. It's been just a few of those over the years. Wounds from a sincere friend. You know, a lot of times folks get upset when their good friends come to them and tell them the truth about the matter. I've had some folks over the years that I've had to pull them aside just, just a few times and just tell them the truth as a pastor. Just tell them the truth about something because it looked like they were going into a situation that was going to hurt them. But I loved them, so I told them the truth. You know, love will tell you the truth. Is that right? Even though you don't want to hear it. And it's helped them. And so, it, it, you know, wounds from a sincere friend. Don't get angry when your sincere friends tell you the truth about something, even if, it, if it's offensive to you. They've got your best interest at heart. You want a pastor that's going to stand up here and tell you the truth of God's word, even though you may not want to hear it. 
One of the things that's wrong with this nation, and there's a lot right with the nation, but one of the things wrong with the nation is you don't have enough preachers standing in pulpits telling people the truth of the word anymore. You don't want a preacher that's just going to always tell you flowery things that you want to hear all the time. Did you hear what I just said? Sometimes the truth hurts. We need to speak the truth in love. But wounds from a sincere friend are better than from an enemy. How many of you know Jesus, when he was at the Garden of Gethsemane, he had somebody come up and kiss him. What was that guy's name? Judas. But he also had just what? Betrayed him. So better, the Bible says, are the wounds from a sincere friend than the many kisses from an enemy. Look at Ecclesiastes. I believe that's the next book. Just a few more of these. Ecclesiastes 5.5 5 says, Better not to vow than to vow and not pay. So I'll, I'll say it this way. It would be better not to make a promise to somebody than to make a promise and not keep it. Is that right? If you're not going to be able to keep the promise, don't make it. That's what the Bible's saying. It's better not to make a promise or a vow than to make a promise or a vow and then not make good on it. God would be more impressed with you if you didn't put your word out on the line in the first place than to put your word out there and then not make good on it. Right? Here's one of my favorite ones. Ecclesiastes 9 verse 4. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible, Ecclesiastes 9, verse 4. But for him who is joined to all the living, there is hope. For a living dog is what? Better than a dead lion. A living dog is better than a dead lion. A living dog is better than a dead lion. Now, I mean, let's think about it. If, if, you, if somebody had a choice to be a dog or a lion, and I do not believe in reincarnation, somebody say amen. When you die, if you know Jesus, you go to heaven. And if you don't know Jesus, you go to hell, which is a place of torment. There's only two places. It's very simple. You understand that? And when you go to heaven, you don't become an angel. Somebody say amen. You understand all that. But I'm just saying, if you had to choose between a dog and a lion, which would you choose? A lion, if you had any sense. Wouldn't you want to be the king of the beasts? Right? But the Bible says that a living dog is better than a what? A dead lion. So the Bible's saying you're better off to be a living dog than a dead lion. Why? Because look at the first part of that verse. For to him who is joined to the living, there is what? There's hope. What's that really saying? It's saying that as long as you've got life in your body, you can repent and change the situation. It's like a sinner. As long as they've got life in their body, they can make the decision to receive Jesus, get saved, miss hell, and make heaven. But once their spirit leaves their body, if they're not born again, if they're not saved, it's too late. They're going to have to go to hell then. Once your spirit gets out your body, it's too late. Whoever is your Lord, when your spirit leaves your body, that's where you're going. If, if, if you've never received Jesus, then the devil is your Lord. That's what the Bible says, and you'll go to hell. But if you receive Jesus and believe on him and trust in him, then he's your Lord. When you leave your body, you go to heaven. Isn't that wonderful? 
So as long as you're alive, you can, there's hope for, you know, like for a sinner and like for a Christian. As long as you're alive, you can change the situation. You can repent and make some adjustments. Is that right? But once you're dead, then, then God's going to judge you based on, not if you receive Jesus, the heaven hell question is, is over. Is that right? But there is such a thing as the judgment seat of Christ where believers will be judged for their works, whether they be good or bad. Is that right? And the Bible says that some Christians now will suffer loss, though they themselves will be saved. So you see, if there's things in your life that aren't right that shouldn't be there, talking to you as Christians now, as long as you're alive, you can repent and make changes. But once you, once you, once you die, then, then it's too late to make any of those changes, you see. You, did you understand that? So would you, is it better, according to the, to the Bible, to be a living dog or a dead lion? Why? Because as long as you're alive, there's hope. You can change things. With God, there's always hope. Amen? Amen. All right, just a couple more. Let's co- come over to the New Testament. Matthew 5, verse 29. And if you're visiting, you need to realize we spend the majority of our time here in the New Testament, in the New Covenant. That's where we live. Praise God. But occasionally we go back and look at the Old Testament. I don't believe you can really have a thorough understanding of the New Testament until you have a working knowledge of the Old. Is that right? But spend, spend the bulk of your time in the New Testament. Matthew 5 verse 29. The Lord is talking. Jesus. And he says, if you're, this is Matthew 5 verse 29 NIV here. If your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. Now, that's. What most scholars would say is a hyperbole. It's an exaggeration to make a point. Yet there's a literal truth here. I don't think Jesus wants us to gouge our eye out and throw it, throw it out. But yet, if you can, let me finish this. You'll see if you make the true comparison, it would be better to gouge your eye out and throw it away than to go to hell. So let's read this. If your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out, throw it away, it is what? It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Think about that. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of it's better. See, it's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. Now, of course, do I think Jesus is is using a hyperbole, an exaggeration to prove a point. Yes, I, I don't think he really wants us to take an axe and cut your hand off or gouge your eye out. I, I, it, what he's really saying there, if, you, if you're looking at things you shouldn't be looking at, you don't have to gouge your eyes out. Just stop looking at those things. Okay? If your right hand is causing you to sin or your, your feet's causing you to sin, stop doing whatever that thing is. Can you say amen to that? However... There is a literal truth here, and I, I take the Bible literally wherever, wherever I can. There's a lot of symbolism in, in it, but, but, but take it literally wherever you can, like the book of Revelation is full of s- symbols. But literally here, if, I'll guarantee it to you, if, if either one of us, you or me, got a glimpse of hell. How many of you know you can get a glimpse of hell in the Bible? But if you got a glimpse of hell, remember over in Luke, the 16th chapter, that rich man and Lazarus, remember that rich man who died and went to hell? Now, he didn't go to hell because he was rich. He went to hell because he lived his life and didn't listen to Moses and the prophets who preached Jesus. His money distracted him, see. Do you understand that? 
And he winds up in hell and he's in torment in the flame. And he wasn't there, I'm convinced, very long. And he's, he's crying out, I'm tormented in this flame. Hell is a horrible place. It, it's, it, it's terrible. You understand that? And if, if we could get a glimpse of hell, yes, we would all say it'd be better off to lose our right hand or our eye or whatever it is now than to be cast into that place. Did you understand that? If your right eye causes you to sin, he said, gouge it out, throw it away. It's better to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. We ought to think about that. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off, throw it away. It's better to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. We need to think about that. If Jesus says it's better, then it's better. Is that right? We ought to think about that. And we'll close in Philippians 1. With another passage that's one of my favorite. The Apostle Paul is writing here and he says, Philippians 1, 21, New King James Version. He says, for me to live is Christ and to die is Gain. Now here we're talking about a Christian, somebody that's going to heaven when he dies. He said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Think about that. For me to live is Christ and to die is what? Is gain. He says, but if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labor, yet what I shall choose I cannot tell. Looks like he has a choice when he when he gets to die. Did you know a lot of people don't understand that? They think when your number's up, it's up. How many of you know you can do, study the Bible? You can do things to prolong your days down here. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with promise, right? That your days on the earth might be long and well. Is that right? How many of you know there's things you can do to prolong your life down here? And when we, you know, I, I believe this. Uh, with all my heart, that we ought to live out our days down here. We ought to walk with God, live, you know, be born again, trust in Jesus, live according to the Word of God, live right, walk right before God. And then when our time comes, if Jesus doesn't come in the rapture in our lifetime, we ought to live out our days and study the Bible out. You can really live up to 120 years if you study it accurately. Did you hear me? And we live out our days. This is the will of God now. You live out your days. And then he's dealing with you before your time to go ever comes. You understand, when you're satisfied. Didn't the Bible say, with long life I'll satisfy him, show him my salvation? Is that what the Psalm 91 said? Is that right? And you get to the end of your life. And you don't go out with cancer. You don't go out with sugar diabetes. You don't go out with anything like that. You go to bed. You pull your legs into bed. You dismiss your spirit. And you go to be with the Lord. Now the world doesn't teach it that way. And most Christians don't understand that. Most Christians don't understand that. But study the Bible. You don't have to go out on the devil's terms. You go out on your and God's terms. Can you say amen? Is that right? Study the Bible. You'll see that. For me to live is Christ. And to die is what? 
To die is gain. But if I live on in the flesh. See, he, he was saying here, I, I, I've got to make a decision. He said, if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I cannot tell. For I am hard pressed between the two having a desire to depart and be with Christ. What does that mean? His spirit, when you die, your spirit leaves your body. Is that right? He said, I have a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is what? Did it say better or far better? It's far. Realize say far better. It's far better. How many of you know going to heaven's far better deal than being down here? I told people for years, I've told them, I said, when a Christian, don't ever feel sorry for a Christian when they die. Because things get far better for them. I told people for years, when a loved one of theirs has died, you know, and we know they're a Christian, certainly. I've told them, I said, you get a glimpse of glory. You get a glimpse of being with Jesus in heaven. You won't want to come back here. I'll tell you for for, for sure, the truth about the matter. You wouldn't want to come back here. You get a glimpse of up there. You don't want to come back here. Did you hear me? Oh, yeah. Heaven's a beautiful place. Just as bad as, as hell is, just as bad as hell is bad, that's how good. Heaven is just that much better on the good side. Wonderful place. Marvelous place. You get a glimpse of it, you won't want to come back here. And the Apostle Paul said, I'm hard pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is what? Far better. Talking about better, aren't we? Well, that's not going to all these other things are better. But you talk about going to heaven. It's not just better. It's what? It's far better. Then he says, nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. See, it was better for those Philippians for him to stay here on the earth where he could teach him and help them. So it was better for them, them if he stayed. But it was far better for him for him to go. And then he said, being confident in this, I know that I'll remain and continue with you all for your progress of joy of of faith. So he stayed around for a while. Do you see that? Do you see that he stayed around and he ministered to them for a while? But then the time came for him to go and he went. And How many of you know Paul's with the Lord now and it's far better? If you know Jesus, one of these days, whether the Lord, you know the Lord. How many of you know the Lord's coming? I said the Lord's coming. How many of you know he's soon to return? All the end time signs are in place. They're all there. If you if you ever notice all these great earthquakes in diverse places, how many of you paying any attention to that? Jesus said that would be one of the signs. You see Israel is a nation again. How many of you know the Bible says in the book of Daniel that in the last days knowledge shall increase? How many of you know knowledge has increased? A little over a hundred years ago it was what, smoke signals, and then the telegraph, and then the telephone. Now we've got, you can take your cell phone and communicate around the world. Is that right? We're living in the time of the Lord's return. We need to be mindful of that, dear friends. The Lord's getting ready to come back. I said the Lord's getting ready to come back. We need to be mindful of that. The Bible says the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. With the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God, the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be changed in the moment. Twinkling of an eye will be caught up to be with the Lord. How many of you know that will be wonderful? How many is looking forward to the rapture of the church? Somebody said, well, I just don't believe in the rapture of the church. Well, then you can just stay here. Be it unto you according to your faith. You can just stay here and go through the tribulation. But I'm going to go in the rapture. How about you? I could stand here and talk for 24 hours and prove, give you one 
Bible scripture after another that the Lord's coming back in the rapture. Catch the church out before the worst of the tribulation. Can you say amen? But whether it's the rapture or whether it's we go by natural causes on our terms, bless God, when we do go, it's not just better, it's what? It's, say far better. And I'm looking forward to it. How about you? Stand with me if you would. Bow your heads, please. Heavenly Father, I have shared with the people a very simple message. On the subject that you gave me to teach on today of better. Better. Now I was going to teach, Lord, as you know, on something else. But this is what you wanted. You run this place. You run this pulpit. That's why I taught on this. So there must have been people here today that needed to hear something that we said. I trust that your word would sink down into the spirits and the hearts the spirits the souls of the people your word not not my words but your word and that they would make wise judgments based on your word as to what is better that way we may leave here today with our hearts and minds if we've been thinking wrong our hearts and minds